Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Church, welcome our online people. I've been chatting to a few people on the phone this week who can only meet online. So thank you. We love you. Great to be together. Thanks for letting me into your lounge room. <laughs> um, I feel a bit invasive, eh? so it's always nice if you invite me in rather than I barge in. Um, Interesting week for famous people passing away. Holy dooly, it's just been a whopper. A couple of things. Judith Durham had measles as a kid and only had a one-third lung capacity her whole life. And often, you know, when they were doing a concert in between, she'd have to just go backstage and cough up stuff or try and get her breath back and then come back out. And so brave. And she wasn't kind of negative about it. She said, well, it just made me a better person. Imagine what I would have been like without it. I'm thinking, I've got full lung capacity. <laughs> I've probably got a few problems. Um, uh, also, Ollie Hoare in the Commonwealth Games, you know that 1500, that was one of the great things in Australian sport because the 1500, you know, there's athletic events and then there's the 1500 metres and throughout history it's just been special. But you know in that race, you sometimes think the Aussies aren't as good at middle distance and maybe got lucky because the field wasn't good. It was the hottest field for generations, and eight of the runners ran a PB, and he won. Like, it was just like, whoa, it was, it was magnificent. Um, and I also, just before I start, wanted to thank Neil and Jeff for running uh, Valiant Man there, Alan Meyer. It's just been fantastic. Um, all right, uh, before I tell you what the title is, uh, I just want to say this to you. I can't remember what year, but it was probably the early 80s, uh, Ros and I had been boyfriend and girlfriend for like three or four years and we broke up and we're trying to get sorted out and we're completely hopeless at it. So we went to some pastors in our church named Len and Heather McGee who were great Bible teachers and were really helping us a lot process our stuff. But in one of the sessions, at the end, like they can feel it wasn't meshing back together and they're a bit frustrated, as I was. Ros was resisting. And um, they said to Ros... Never mind, Roz. If you don't get marked, there'll be someone better for you. <laughs> and in my flesh, I'm thinking, someone better? What are you talking about? You know, but what came out of that was the start of a journey for me. You know, as, I, as it sort of worked in the right way into my spirit, I thought, wow, if I want to, I've got to be the better person instead of just winching and moaning. Um, so it started a journey of learning how to put God first uh, and not Roz. So today's message is called, Even If He Doesn't. You remember the guys in the fire? They said, we, we won't bow down to you. God will rescue us and protect us. But they say this statement, even if he doesn't. And it seems to me in Scripture that shows up a few times and God's expectation on our faith and our walk is <laughs> not everything goes your way and sometimes you don't get picked, whether it's, you know, um, for a job or, or relationship like us or whatever it is, um, sometimes he doesn't choose you. Sometimes he chooses someone else and it can be, Ugh. Uh, but even if he doesn't, because I observe this in scripture, even with Ishmael, who was like the child of flesh, God still looked after him and still prospered him. Even Esau, and I'll read a scripture that talks in a minute about Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated because God chose Jacob the younger over the older, which wasn't the usual way um, in, in those days. But it, it would really, he didn't hate Esau. 
because the record shows that he looked after Esau incredibly well and he ended up a very wealthy, influential man. And when Jacob and Esau came back together and um, Jacob thought Esau would try and kill him, Esau was really good to him and, you know, wanted to look after him and said, look, God's blessed me. And he was okay. So the whole Jacob I loved, Esau I hated was really God's way, and this is very much what today's message is about, God's way of saying, look, that was just my preference. But to you, when I do that, it looks to you like I hate one and, and love the other, but, but I don't. It's just my preference, and you have to learn how to handle my preferences. And so he says that statement almost in a way of provoking us to challenge us inside. Do we then jump up and rebel and go, hey, you can't do that? And we'll read the scripture. Yeah, but can the potter say to the clay? And I... I think that whole thing of us not speaking back against God but learning to trust him is kind of goes against the speak up culture of today and everybody's equal, you know, and, and there's a lot of truth in that and there's a lot of good comes out of that. But also, listen, if he's God and he created you, he can, he can make his own choices and preferences. And so today's a challenge on when his preferences don't suit us, we have to trust that he'll still look after us. Um, I just, I've been rereading this book. Um, Kev Brett gave it to us when I was a youth pastor. All the, all the staff had to read it. It's called A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. It's a very easy read, but it's, it's very challenging on our attitude. I've been convicted many times out of this book. And even John Pennycook is now in his 80s, had the largest church in the history of the Central Coast. I had lunch with him and he said to me, um, thank God Kev gave us that book because I've been challenged a number of times in my attitude and that book's really helped me. Um, and I just want to read a couple of quotes to you because it's awesome. The book is about um, three kings and their three attitudes. So it's, it's Saul and then David and then Absalom. So Saul, who was like chosen by God but kind of went off track. Then David, who was also God's choice and kept keeping his attitude right to Saul even though Saul was trying to kill him and Saul's time was well and truly over and he was going downhill, but David refused to ever speak against him. And then Absalom, who was David's son, who was always whispering behind the scenes, trying to get the power for himself and who stood against his own father to take the kingdom. But I'll just tell you a couple of quotes. Um, uh, a couple of quotes, a couple of quotes about David. This imposing, insightful man would never deliberately hasten the day of his own rule. Of this they were certain. He was far too humble and too respectful of whatever leader was over him, whether they deserved respect or not. Um, and at some stage, someone says, I desire his will more than I, I desire a position of leadership. Um, and that was very impressive to me as a, as a young leader. One other, one other quote. Um, in the spiritual... This was, this was interesting because... You know, I help senior pastors around the state and every now and again a rebellion goes on in a church that, that can split a church and, and none of us like that. But he just gives these great insights into that sort of thing. He said, in the spiritual realm, a man who will lead a rebellion has already proven no matter how grandiose his words or angelic his ways, that he has a critical nature and unprincipled character and hidden motives in his heart. Frankly, he is a thief. He creates dissatisfaction and tension within the realm and then either seizes power or siphons off followers. The followers he gets, he uses to found his own dominion. Such a sorry beginning built on the foundation of insurrection. No God, 
no, God never honours division in the realm. And, and he talks about how we have to always start with judging our own heart first before we judge others. Um, he said this, I'll, I'll finish with this. Um, he said, when we become souls, because the whole book's based on this, the whole book's based on this. David had to suffer under the hands of Saul to make sure there was no Saul left in David. So you know we have the battle of our flesh and our spirit. It's a bit like for all of us there's a potential Saul. And David, by, by seeing kind of ugliness and suffering at the hand of that, yet never speaking against it, it eventually took his own potential to be Saul out. And he came through. And at the right time, God, God ushered him in, into leadership. Um, and he says this right at the end of the book. Saul's, like so if the Saul spirit takes over, can never see a David in someone. Saul's always think David's an Absalom. And that's why Saul ended up chucking spears at him, even though David was no threat to him. But then he goes on to say, um, uh, and the Absaloms can never see David's either. They can only see Saul's, like my leader's just and unfair. They, I found that amazing and, and it made me want to, you know, search my own heart and get the, anything there out of me because I, and I, and guess what? I found stuff. I was so shocked. <laughs> do you ever do that? Do you ever ask God to search your heart or you sort of go into time, I better examine myself, but, you know, I won't find anything bad. <laughs> Half an hour later, you stagger out and you pray time. Sorry, God. <laughs> anyway. Um, your creator knows you better than you know yourself. Here's that point about me and Rose. When his answer is no, you have to believe he has something better for you. Um, uh, someone said this. I don't know if it was Spurgeon or someone else. God is sovereignly selecting an entire nation one by one to be his chosen people. And he says, and I'll read scripture to you in a sec. There's a bit about there how God will harden who he wants to harden. And it, it sounds really unfair to our logic. But God really only hardens till you learn your lesson and then he brings the release and you've learnt your lesson and you come through. So in a way, when he hardens, it's grace for you to learn a lesson because then when you've learnt the lesson, his grace releases you from the bondage of it and you come through into a much better place and he can now trust you and he can trust you with people because you won't damage them as much. Um, uh, so let, let's read scripture because so what happens... Romans 1 to 8, Paul's just laying the whole foundation of the gospel. And Romans 8, to me, is the greatest chapter in the Bible on, on the gospel and what it is. It's just so full of grace. It's incredible. But then 9 and 10, Paul is, is in, which we're looking at today, Paul is anticipating the arguments against what he's just taught. So he says some wild things, really hard Christian concepts to grab. He, he, he brings up four concepts that are difficult. Let's read some scriptures first. I've got to just pick verses because I haven't got time to read the whole lot. Uh, so we'll go chapter 9, verse 2. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. So that's how he's writing this stuff. Um, we'll go to verse 8. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Verse 11. Yet before the twins, this is Jacob and Esau, were born before they were born or had done anything good or anything bad in order that God's purpose in election, difficult concept, might stand not by works but by him who calls. So people don't, um, 
work their way into the kingdom or work their way in a position, you know, there's a right spirit to have and there's hard work, definitely. But, but um, I once boasted before God of my sacrifice for him. And my pastor got wind of it and he got stuck right into me. Listen, there's only Jesus' sacrifice. God owes you nothing. And two things, Mark, that it says about sacrifice in the Bible. I was like, he really rebuked me. Um, obedience is better than sacrifice, so why don't you just be obedient instead of boasting like you've done? And then he goes, this, his wife taught me this. She was very good. Um, an acceptable sacrifice to God is a, broken, is a broken heart, basically, a broken and contrite heart. And she said, Mark, contrite is the process they do to talc rock to make talcum powder. It's ground down until this hard rock becomes this really soft thing that people put on babies' bottoms when they change their nappy, like a rock that becomes soft, and that's what God's doing with our hearts. So just be, you know, we know you've made sacrifice, so thank you, but don't, don't, please don't boast about that. I was, I was like, wow, I walked out of there sheepishly, thinking, wow. Um, and it was, it was really good for me. Um, mm. Anyway, because I just wanted to stop on that because remember Paul, like Paul was a good guy and I thought, gee, he's, he's a good minister, I better choose him. He's like, bang, knocks him off his horse. And he gets like quickly, I know there was a 12-year process, but quickly into, into teaching and meeting with the disciples and, and having a ministry and yet when people complained, God's answer was, don't worry, don't worry. I know he didn't earn it, but I'll show you how much he has to suffer for the kingdom and later on, you know where Paul lists shipwrecks, beatings, whippings, floggings, being stoned. Yeah, then you don't have a problem with it anymore. So, so it's okay. So I think we have to trust God's process with people. Not by works, but by him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger. And just as it is written, and I forget where that is in the Old Testament, Jacob I love, but Esau I hate it. Um, what then shall we say? <laughs> like, he brings it to a head himself. What do we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. Let's go to verse 16, and you probably have to read the whole chapters at home. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Wow. Therefore, 18, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Whoa. Difficult concept. Um, based on foreknowledge, by the way, but that's another thing that just helps you understand it. Verse 20, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Verse 24, even us whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. It goes on to this. This is one of my favourite scriptures. Because I have been in a legalistic church and I have been kicked out of a religious school for leading kids to Christ. Um, but I love this. And I had this period just before I got sacked where every day I was called into the principal's office with the, with the head spiritual person <laughs> and um, telling me how hopeless I was. The year before, I'd won an award, you know, as one of the best teachers in the school. And, and then they're going, you're hopeless. When I'm like, I think they were trying to get rid of me, but I hung in. I did burst into tears one day. I thought, oh, this is a bit hard to take. It's getting to me. And then I find this scripture God gives me. Watch this. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there you will be called children of the living God. Isn't that beautiful? Two weeks later, I was asked to be our church's first ever youth pastor and it was like, like the prep, you know, was you're hopeless. So I had to learn how to 
be rejected a lot and, and stay in him. But then God does... That was actually grace, by the way, forming me, but it <laughs> didn't seem like that at the time. But then the grace of, now here's the, here's the reward, you know. Um, so I just, I, I have the, a great love for that scripture. Um, and it finishes with, with, with this, this chapter. Um, it talks about Jesus as a stumbling stone. It goes, why not, in verse 32, because they pursued it not by faith, but it, as if it were by works. And listen, I've tripped over that stone a lot because yeah, even in your work or if you run a business and you've got a, a difficult employee or, you know, you're in a sports club and you're playing in a team and there's just difficulty, um, you kind of want to sort everyone out, but you, you can't control it. And it's easy for us to stumble over, I'll be harsh with them to get the result I want. Even in parenting, I found that harshness didn't never work that well. Um, you had to be clear and direct, and there had to be consequences, but it was always finding a way to give grace so they felt believed in the kids, and it was the believing in them that would bring them through. The, the discipline would sometimes stop the behaviour, not in their heart, but on the outside, but then this process happens. You have to get to their heart and get them believing that, that you love them. Um, and, and it's not an easy thing to learn as a, as a parent. So, so let's go to chapter... Uh, okay, so, so far we've looked at predestination, which is based on God's foreknowledge of how humans collectively and individually will act. It's like the first wheel that turns the concept of salvation over. We've seen adoption, which is God's priority in saving many, and his choices aren't based on our preferences, and that does trip most of us up at times. Um, yeah, anyway... Um, in chapter 10, we sort of look at sovereignty. We saw Jesus as a stumbling stone. Pride, our pride resists the ways of God and ends up trying to evaluate God. But he evaluates us. And sovereignty is based on wisdom, purity, free choice, his authority as creator. It's not based on our worthiness or our entitlement. Because remember, you know, remember the parable Jesus taught about they got paid the same wages. One agreed to work for a whole day. Um, I was looking at that the other day, and I've always got annoyed that they agreed to work for the whole day, and then the, the people that only worked one hour at the end of the day got the paid the same wage. And for 60-something years, you know, I've been annoyed at the ones that got hassled with Jesus. because they. But I read it the other day, and I thought, you know, now that I'm getting a bit older, the edge is getting knocked off, I think. I would have been ticked off too. I finally could admit it to myself. Um, but that's just a classic on... It's not always about what you feel entitled to or what you deserve. And that does cut across our humanity, but we have to learn how to, how to deal with that. Um, so let's just go a few things out of chapter 10. Verse 6, But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven or who goes to hell. So I often am challenged with this. Because you see something bad, you know, and... Putin, you know, I think, well, he's going to go to hell. Take him out now, God. He's like, but, you know, yeah, with nice people, I go really well at not judging them. But every now and again, I just trip over that thing and I go, oh, they're going to hell for sure, you know. But I have to get that out because it says you're not to do that. Um, and the beautiful salvation scriptures of chapter 10, verse 9, I've probably 
use more to help people than anything else. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just such a beautiful scripture. And then it even gives a more general one that I don't use much, but it's just great. I've heard a lot of fruit come out of this scripture. Everyone or anyone, some say, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's like just those people who get desperate, don't really know God, but they're in a prison or, you know, whatever it is, and they just go, if you're real, can you help me? And gee, you hear a lot of testimonies um, out of that when, when people share. Anyway, so that's just a... Um, not long left. I haven't even started my points. Two points. I've, I've done the four things. Okay. Um, yes, okay. Oh, no. I'm actually up to point three. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, just means I choose one over the other and history proves that I love them both and took care of them both. But I use earthly language sometimes to see if the pot rebels against the potter. Um, I'm getting better at being honest with God on that and just going, you know, in my flesh, I don't get that. It can annoy me. But I, I tell him rather than hide from the fact that it's there and just get into my spirit quickly and sort of shove that aside. So I'm learning sometimes it's better to, to admit and, and then go into the spirit. It just kind of sometimes processes you better. Um, predestination does not negate free will, but is based on foreknowledge. Here's an interesting thing, and you, you will see this in church life at some times, or some of you would have, uh, or even for us as Christians in the world today, the unchosen vessel very often persecutes the chosen, which is kind of a way of judging God as wrong. Um, our struggle proves that our trust need, needs work. Um, uh, This will help you a bit. When God chooses, we have to be really patient because Jacob was a bad choice. Not, not really. But if you looked at the fruit of it for a long time, man, he was manipulative and he was wrestling with God and he was stealing stuff off his brother like birthright. Um, you know, you're thinking, holy dooly, that's some choice. Uh, but then you watch over time, the, the change and what's happened and how Jacob became one of the great patriarchs. Also had to suffer. Remember Joseph, his favoured son, was taken off him you know, at a, at a young age and he doesn't see him again till he's an old man, nearly, nearly blind. Um, so let, let me just finish. Um, <laughs> I'll do, uh, it really comes down to God's mercy. Now, that doesn't always suit us when we've got lots of energy and we're going really well in life and we're achieving our highest things and we're doing really well. But I want to tell you, I really like it. When I get to the struggle, when I see my own insecurity, when the pride comes out, when I think, you know what, I don't deserve it, then I love that the whole thing's based on God's mercy to me. And because of that, even if I'm not doing well or I've been unfaithful to God, I can walk back in and go, help because it's based on mercy. That's what keeps that door open so you can go in. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, Esther Perel, I was just reading some stuff on relationships. She's one of the great relationship teachers in the world. I occasionally disagree with stuff, but she's, she's brilliant. She says the cry of the human heart, you know, in, 
in relationship and partnership is please don't evict me from your inner being. And if you've been through marriage breakup or your marriage has almost broken up or you've had those fights where you think, I don't know if we'll get through this, there's this cry in your heart of, please don't evict me completely from your heart. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing to think about God, God like that, the way he doesn't do that and he doesn't want us to do that to him. Um, and I'll finish with this. I was reading a beautiful devotion by Charles Spurgeon. I, I use a lot of, um, there's some great devotionals at Kurong by Brian Simmons that I love who wrote the Passion Translation. He's very good on God loving you and worship and it does the soft thing but I, I start my prayer time with that and then I use Charles Spurgeon because Charles Spurgeon just hits you right between the eyes. Yes. The other day I've just been, you know, with Brian Simmons going, oh God, you love me so much and then Spurgeon goes, oi, you don't read the Bible, the Bible reads you. <laughs> Whoa. It does. It shows us where you fall short. It adjusts the plumb line. And I need both. I really need the softness, but I need the, the straight truth. And, and he says this. And mind you, this is a long time ago when he said it. So today we have a better attitude to wolves, but let's just go with it. Sheep are very feeble creatures and wolves are terrible enemies for them. Yet at this hour, sheep are more numerous than wolves on the earth. And the sheep's cause is always winning, while the cause of the wolves is always declining. One day sheep will cover the plains and no wolves will attack. He says this, the fact is, it's because sheep have a shepherd that give them provision, protection and peace. And I think in some ways, if we can see ourselves as vulnerable on the earth, but knowing that we have a shepherd to walk through it with us, I think that's when you go your absolute best. <laughs> in God, eh? Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.